Welcome to Accelerating Government with Act IAC on Federal News Network. Now your host, Dave Winogren. Welcome to another episode of Accelerating Government. For over 40 years, the American Council for Technology and Industry Advisory Council has served a unique position in the federal marketplace as a nonprofit whose purpose is to bring together government and industry leaders to accelerate government mission outcomes through collaboration, leadership, and education. On today's show, we're joined by an outstanding group of government and industry leaders to discuss innovation and emerging technologies. Our guests are Gary Washington is the Chief Information Officer for the Department of Agriculture and the President of the American Council for Technology. Gary, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Dave, for inviting me. Absolutely. Todd Hager is the Vice President of Macro Solutions and the Industry Chair for the ACT-IAC Emerging Technology Community of Interest. Thank you for joining us, Todd. Thanks, Dave. I'm glad to be here. And Malcolm Hardin is the Federal Partner leader at Microsoft and the executive vice chairman of the Industry Advisory Council. Malcolm, thank you for being here with us too. Thanks a lot, Dave. Excellent. Well, we're looking forward to this conversation. I'm delighted to have you all here with us today. We're going to talk about two of the top topics in the federal technology market, innovation and the adoption of new technologies. They are buzzwords that we just hear about all the time, and we'll unpack them a little bit and find out what's going on. So let's get started with a little initial stage setting. Why don't we give our audience a chance to learn a little bit more about each of you? Gary, we will start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your current job. What are some of the things that are top of mind for you at the Department of Agriculture? As was stated, I'm the Chief Information Officer at the Department of Agriculture. And uh, what's on top of mind for us right now is really transitioning to becoming a data-driven, customer-centric organization. You know, we want to adopt new technologies where they make sense and leverage the data that we have and make sure that we provide that to people at their fingertips and allow our leadership to make more informed decisions. So we are doing a lot with data in terms of analytics, sharing data integrity, artificial intelligence, machine learning, those kinds of things. And But priority one and one A for us also is cybersecurity. I mean, we, we can't do this without, especially what's going on in the world today, having a secure environment. So, you know, with all of that, also, we're focusing on our workforce, you know, with technology changing like it is and evolving, we're very aware that we're going to need some new skill sets in the government moving forward. And I think particularly in your world, you have people yeah. like spread out around the country. Uh, you know, I mean, a lot of organizations had to make a sudden shift a couple of years ago when the pandemic started to move to a virtual world. But you've had to deal with people all over the place trying to Absolutely. connect and do business with the government, both your employees and the citizens that you serve. So I have to imagine a lot of that connecting and being able to work with them has been top of mind, too. It, absolutely, it has. And uh, we've had to shift very quickly. And it's not only within the United States, but we have an international presence as well. So as you stated, we had to make that shift very quickly and the expectations didn't change. So, you know, we had to keep it moving. If anything, the expectations just continue to rise, don't they? Todd, let's, uh, let's turn to you. Todd, tell us a little bit about you, about the company, your job there, and also some of the work that you're doing. Sure. I think that one of the things that really was important for us when we were getting out there, I mean, it's, you know, you talk about DevOps and you talk about taking an agile approach to things. And a lot of that sort of grew out of this notion of application development. Certainly very, very important. We're, what we're trying to do is is help folks like realize that you don't necessarily want to abandon those smart ways to approach getting things done quickly, efficiently, and with high quality and high security. Apply that to your platforms. You know, make sure that your platforms are being rolled out in that same fashion too, because more often than not, I'm sure Malcolm will be able to talk about some of this too in the Azure space, but platforms are no longer a single-use thing. They're multi-use. And of course, as a result, with that multi-use functionality, 
you need to be able to have object models and reuse plans and all this kinds of stuff that helps you to be able to get those, you know, those platforms in multiple places. That's where you get the economies of scale and the real benefit down the road. So it's not you know, necessarily real sexy in terms of emerging tech or anything like that, but it really makes a difference in terms of, you know, resource efficiency and really deploying the federal dollars in a way that makes the most sense. On top of that, I think that it's, you know, when you look at the ways that you use those kinds of things, it's very easy to apply some very simple intelligent automation techniques to do more with less, if you will. Uh, be able to be slightly more efficient, be able to get things done, let, let your people really focus on the high value work instead of the day-to-day -day kinds of things out there. So, and, I, and these are not, again, not steps that require a, a lot of, you know, crazy thinking about emerging tech to be able to come together. And, and I know that seems, you know, strange coming from the guy who's the, the uh, emerging tech community, the uh, leader for the emerging tech community of interest, but I think it's all important stuff and government is finding ways to really make a difference there. And it's good to see. And you make a really important point because I think sometimes organizations feel like, well, if I could just, if I make a major investment, I can get a big return yeah. and it'll take years and spend a lot of money. But some of these intelligent automation tech tools and techniques, right, you can do a little investment and make a profound difference, can't you? Exactly. Very good. Malcolm, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you and Microsoft are working on? Thanks, Dave. I'm, I'm almost a year in role now at Microsoft after, wow, I guess approaching 30 years working in the federal ecosystem, mostly for system integrators. Started um, as it, a mere child, I see, right? Yeah, yeah, how about that, right? How about that? One of the, the first things you learn jumping into a product company and, you know, the one, one at this scale in particular is just how vast the spectrum of offerings is. But I know coming from a system integrator, I sort of had the perception that a lot of these products are just sort of made as, as static products with no intention. I've been really relieved to find just how much of these things are pointed at a specific mission. And I know we at Microsoft, and I suspect other product companies as well, have a, a real mission focus around some of our offerings. And so, you know, as, as I look at how we work better with partners going forward, uh, some of our intention is, is helping tell that story to government, right? Whether it be in partnership with some of our favorite SIs or, or frankly, whether it be direct to government, kind of stating our intention for helping support the citizen, helping support the federal mission, and really putting these products to their highest and best use and helping the government generate the best return from the investment in these tools. So I've been super relieved to find that Microsoft shares that value. And so it's it's been a really good ride thus far. Yeah, and you make a really important point about the mission focus. So often it doesn't work well when we just think about technology for technology's sake. But if we can apply technology that delivers a mission outcome, we can get people to overcome the resistance to change that we might otherwise see, huh? 100%. 100% yeah. right. I, I chuckle with my wife that we're probably one of the few organizations on the planet that can invent things just because they can be invented. But really, the intention is to, to actually put them to work. I think that the company vision around empowering uh, organizations, governments and people to do more really resonates. We focus on that do more part. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to ask you all about innovation. It's a because it is a buzzword, but it is so important, right? That if we keep doing things the way we've always done them, we can't expect to get different results. And so the bringing of innovative ideas and solutions is just so important right now. And it is something that, you know, we have to sort of unpack a little bit. And so I'm going to ask you all, 
like to tell me, we're going to start with Gary. So I'll just give him forewarning. Tell me a little bit about why is innovation so important to you right now? And maybe what's like an example of something innovative that you're seeing? It could be within your agency or more broadly in government or just something you're seeing in the marketplace. But Gary, why does innovation matter so much right now? And what's an innovative thing that you're seeing that you're excited about? Well, innovative is, is so important right now because technology doesn't stand still and, and things change around you. And in USDA, we have many diverse missions. And part of that is like feeding people all over the world. So we are always looking at new innovative ways to, to implement modern technologies so that we can get mission outcomes, get that return on investment that Malcolm talked about, those kinds of things. I, I find myself more and more getting involved in things like the Internet of Things and working with research um, with scientists on coming up with new ways to feed people, you know, or working, you know, seeing farmers using technologies to get more production from their farms, firefighters embracing technologies more in terms of fighting forest fighters. You, you'd be amazed that, well, the line may be getting blurred in terms of traditional IT overlapping into, you know, some of these technologies that hold all, the, all this data and have to be secured and everything like drones and sensors and those kinds of things that actually are right there at the forefront of you know, ensuring that we, we accelerate mission delivery and produce more and those kinds of things. Very good. We're gonna take a short break now. And when we return, we'll give Malcolm and Todd a chance to weigh in and we'll continue our conversation about emerging technologies and innovation in the federal market with Gary Washington, Todd Hager, and Malcolm Harden. I'm Dave Wintergren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. I'm Dave Wendergren, and today we're talking about innovation and emerging technology with Gary Washington, CIO for the Department of Agriculture, Todd Hager, Vice President at Macro Solutions, and Malcolm Harden, Federal Partnerships Leader at Microsoft. When we went into the break, we were talking a little bit about innovation and why does it matter and and what's some innovative things that you're seeing in the market. Malcolm, why don't we turn to you? Microsoft is literally everywhere. And so I'm wondering, you know, what are you seeing in the market? What are some innovations that you're seeing? And why is this conversation about innovation so important right now? You know, on, on the conversation side, I, I think when when people think about innovation just sort of casually in a, in a business context or, or in a federal enterprise context, you, you can't talk about innovation without talking about cost effectiveness. And innovation becomes a, a major driver for efficiency and efficiency becomes that driver for making a, a, a responsible use of, of taxpayer dollars. And so that, that resonates with us all. You also really can't talk about innovation without understanding that innovation is, is often a proxy for effectiveness in people's minds, right? We, we talk about uh, the, the old ways of doing things, ways we've done things forever. And if we want to do them faster, if we want to do them with higher customer satisfaction, citizen satisfaction, we need to do them in a way that, that excite people fundamentally. And, and innovation helps us do that. So there is, there is a lot to be said for capturing folks' attention and making folks excited about the customer experience they get. And, and new innovations bring that. Right. I, I think a number of us on the call probably have the, the same brand of phone and it is uh, it, I'll say I do not. So take that. But I, I think uh, the, the perception has always been that that's the most innovative brand and arguments are made by other handset makers that that's not the case. But the full eco between the full ecosystem and the customer experience you get, that's thought of as innovative. And so that that's powerful. 
right? That that makes people feel good about using it and enhances people's personal productivity. So innovation is full of win-win. The customer experience mandate is really front and center in the president's management agenda and across government. And, and I think that that has like increased the demand signal for more innovative approaches. I mean, you know, people, the customer has spoken and they want to be able to improve the way they do their job. Todd, how about you? What are you seeing in regards to innovation in the market and uh, that the audience should know about? And, and why is this important? I'm going to take a little bit of a different tack on that, uh, Dave. And I think that with innovation, sometimes it just is getting folks to think differently and, and looking at things a little bit differently than we did before. It's easy for us to get kind of pigeonholed and go in, you know, oh, the same old, same old, here's the thing that we always use for this particular problem and let's go forward and, and you know, be happy. But imagine, you know, and I'll just throw some examples out there. Imagine looking at Salesforce as some sort of enabler in the financial management space. Who would guess? That seems like the strangest thing to bring those two things together, but you can. And, and it's, it's very effective and they, they seem to work well together. Using, back on something I had said earlier before the break, was about this notion of applying agile tools in environments where you don't necessarily aren't developing product per se, but agile tools, things like GitHub or Atlassian, uh, you know, Jira, et cetera, or Azure DevOps or whatever, can help teams to be more productive who aren't even touching technology just helping them to manage their tasks a little more clearly, provide visibility across those teams and help people be able to maybe pull activities and do things uh, you know, in, in a way that can help other people see what's going on and more importantly, do them in an efficient way so we don't wait until Tuesday morning when we all sit together and have a meeting. We've got these tools online and we can you know, look and see what we're doing and, and go forward. So again, I think that idea of just stepping back a second and thinking a little bit differently about how to approach things can be very beneficial. Well said. I think that the innovation agenda is just so important to us right now. And, but it's not easy, is it? I mean, because all of you have made the point about, you know, looking at new technologies, looking at new ways of doing business. And, and so there are challenges, I, I'd say, for any large, complex organization, public or private. But what are some of the challenges, particularly for our audience of people from industry and government who operate in the federal technology market? What are some of the challenges that you see about embracing innovation? that maybe we should at least throw it on the table, even if we don't have an easy answer for it, but things that people should be like not deterred by. And uh, we'll start with you, Malcolm, and then we'll work our way around the horn, as they say. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and grab the most obvious answer. I, I think that's probably cybersecurity. When something new emerge, emerges, it's important to make sure you don't introduce risk while you're introducing innovation, or at least you introduce risk in understandable and, and manageable portions. Right. And, and we're talking about everything from cybersecurity to uh, supply chain security to operational security, all the various flavors. And so that's daunting to people. I, I totally understand it, whether it is a, a government acquisition professional or whether it's a program owner who's trying to digest these things and continue to maintain that top-notch service or enhance the level of service, you have to figure out how to square that circle. And in a lot of ways, if, if you're going to be an innovator, if you're going to be first through the door, your challenges are, are more and, and numerous as you try to do that. But it is worth it, right? The, the kind of evolution you can bring, the kind of changes to, to people's thinking, the kind of enhanced service to the country, it really is worth taking that step. So while I'm not going to say, you know, there's an easy button to cyber, it's hard work, but it's work worth doing. And ultimately, it's, it's good for the country, in my opinion. I think cybersecurity is a great example because we look at things like the shift from tick to tick 3.0, right, is a recognition that tick was a great idea in a world of enclaves decade, you know, before the cloud. But having moved to the cloud, if we kept with that security approach, it would have only stymied our ability to move forward. Todd, how about you? Challenges for innovation? 
So as you mentioned earlier, within the emerging tech community, we get a lot of folks involved in, in the community who are really steeped in that and enjoy it, want to talk about it and talk with others and figure out good ways to do things and everything too. But what we also find is that there are many, many people who attend our working group sessions and things to learn more and to understand how the technology works and what are people doing with the technology and how can I bring, you know, how can I shave a little time off in my agency to be able to maybe bring something in and get, get uh, you know, get ahead of the learning a bit. And so with that in mind, the emerging tech community created this thing called the National Use Case and Solution Library, affectionately known as the NUSL. And Dave, I want to give you a shout out. Thank you very much for ACTIAC for hosting that for us. But the National Use Case and Solution Library is a, is a particularly helpful tool, not only for program managers and other folks trying to figure out what this new technology is and how it works and where it's used and, and, and so forth, but for even for acquisition professionals to be able to look at it and understand how is this described? How, you know, how do I buy it? What's the, you know, what's some of the acquisition? acquisition language that, that other agencies have used to be able to put this in place in a safe and risk-reduced way. So again, that's the idea behind it. And the real value of this, this NUSL is the contributions and getting uh, agencies to share some of the use cases in there. Uh, and then we all benefit from that too, as we go through going forward, trying to find those best use cases that fit our particular need. Appreciate you bringing up the use case library. It is a fascinating endeavor already, and it's only going to continue to grow. And I'll just say for our listeners that you'll be able to find a link to that if you go to the Federal News Network website. So Gary, a couple minutes left before break. What about you? Challenges that you're seeing to the adoption of innovation? Cybersecurity is the main one, and Malcolm already covered that, but I would say people. There's a lot of, there are a lot of people that have done what they do for many, many years, and they're very proud of the environment they've created. And when you introduce something innovative to them, Either it's scary or they're just resistant to try something in a different way. It is very appropriate to have a conversation with them about the benefits, return on investment, how it would make you become more efficient in everything. But as I said earlier, things don't slow down because you're trying to resist something that's going to catch up with you anyway. You know, we have to find a way to get individuals to adopt innovations where they make sense and adopt innovations that are going to help them achieve their mission outcomes, those kinds of things. Well said, Gary. The pace of change is not going to slow down, is it? So uh, we're going to take a short break on that note. And when we return, we'll have more on emerging technologies and innovation in the federal market with Gary Washington, Todd Hager, and Malcolm Hartman. I'm Dave Wendergren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on the Federal News Network. I'm Dave Wendergren, and we're talking about innovation and emerging technologies with Gary Washington, the CIO for the Department of Agriculture, Todd Hager, the Vice President of Macro Solutions, and Malcolm Harden, Federal Partnership Leader at Microsoft. When we went into the break, we were talking about the challenges to innovation, and I'll say hand-in-hand hand with the cry for more innovation in the federal market is this imperative for the adoption of new technologies. It is just so important to be able to take hold of these technologies that are providing great benefits in the private sector and bring them into government. And this is part of your, in addition to your day job, Todd, you're so helpful by being an industry leader for the emerging technology community of interest for ACT-IAC. And so why don't we start with you? What sure. are some of the new technologies that you're seeing that are getting some uptake in the federal market that you'd like to call out? Like things that are either we're already being successful at or things that you think government agencies need to keep a laser-like focus on in the year ahead? 
Well, if you know, membership in our working groups is any indication of it. We just recently formed a quantum knowledge group. There seems to be a lot of interest in quantum. I don't know that there's real applicable use for it at this moment in time, but what it is doing, which I think is, is the benefit of these kinds of groups, is getting people thinking about what will this mean to me? And it may be five, eight years before anything really substantive comes out with that, but like we were talking about earlier, that is going to have such a significant impact on cyber, you know, cybersecurity and some of the just the, the core of how we do cyber today that it forces us to think about it now. And so, so much of the conversation isn't just the gee whiz, ooh, look at the, you know, what quantum computing really looks like, but is what do we need to do now to prepare for the inevitability of this kind of technology coming to market? How is that going to impact the way that we secure files, the way that we secure transactions and, and so forth? Because it will have a significant impact and it's going to take us years to really be able to figure out how we're going to be able to deal with that once that actually comes. It is a fascinating thing. And, and I, I like the point that you made because you have some new technologies that really are emerging, sure. right? Like it may be years before we have widespread quantum adoption, but then there are other technologies that like, you know, you're already late, and you, right? But, they, but they're still sort of considered new, right? And so we got to sort of keep an eye on like the two swim lanes about do this now and keep your eye on these that are coming up. Yeah, well, well said. Malcolm, how about you? What are you seeing? And, and we're, we're going to use the term new technologies broadly because, you know, you may well be seeing things that, that have commercial applicability, but not yet as much of a footprint in government yet. So what are some of the new technologies that you think our audience should be paying attention to? You know, that, that, that's, it's interesting you say that. I actually, as, as somebody who really enjoys the, the work that I do within the U.S. federal market and, you know, returned to the U.S. federal market here about a year ago after having the opportunity to work commercial indefinitely, I actually prefer the, the breadth of use case and, you know, interesting uh, business models that you get in federal and how we apply those technologies to them is really, really rewarding. I wanted to sort of footstomp what Todd was saying a little bit ago about quantum. And I know I get all sorts of phone calls if I didn't sort of point out that we, we are of the opinion here in our, our Redmond, Washington-based organization that it's not five to eight years away. Right. And, and a lot of the tailwind around quantum is the fact that, to Todd's point, it is a sword and shield for, for cybersecurity. Both the white hats and the black hats are sort of driving at what they can do with it once it's available and what they can do on the way there. Right. And so I think we will see the emergence of quantum and, and pre-quantum, if you'll let me use that term, here much, much sooner than people think. Right. And, and we're investing heavily in that as well. But I'll, I'll chime in, in in terms of what I'm saying, uh, seeing being very, very impactful around federal with with low code, no code development. It's not that long ago that we all knew a person in our organization who was known as the, the Microsoft Access guy. Right. And that guy, you know, had, had built everything that, that he could or a lady had built everything they could, you know, and then there were all these little databases running around. I sort of always pose it to people that I think that person is being replaced by the, the low-code, no-code person, right? They're taking their own tact to evolve what they're doing and in small bites in mission spaces, and low-code, no-code helps do that. And I think Salesforce was mentioned, obviously ServiceNow is pretty ubiquitous. We have a set of solutions that, well, a solution power platform that's uh, you know, part of our suite, you know, essentially replacing access. So I really think that that really begins to move the needle and allows government to innovate in the mission in, in faster, less expensive ways. 
thank you for talking about quantum in play because quantum is in play. It's a, you know, companies are doing quantum work, laboratories are doing quantum work. And uh, so you can't wait just because I said it could be five or eight years until like, you know, a lagging agency adopts, right? It's, it's definitely something you've got to keep front and center on, on your plate right now. Gary, when we when we started the conversation, you mentioned a little bit about intelligent automation. I think from your standpoint as a federal technology leader, it's really important to help the audience understand that they're not alone in these adoptions of new technologies and that other agencies are making progress and they can too. So I wonder if maybe you could just share either a little bit more about what you're already doing or some other emerging technologies that you're that you're excited about too. No, you're right, Dave. They're not alone. It's hard and you have to work very closely with your program partners, you know, in the entire discussion and implementation of these innovative solutions. High performance and quantum computing, we are look we are looking at that and implementing that in our scientific community. We do a lot of work with um, academia and other agencies where it comes to, you know, agricultural research and science, you know, so and as the data sets get larger and larger and the need to to transmit this data, be, it increases, the, the speed increases. Traditional platforms are just not going to, the traditional infrastructure is not is suitable for the business need. So we're working with our scientists to make sure they have the proper environment to work with academia, to exchange information, look at, you know, genomic uh, data and, and that kind of thing. No code platforms are big in USDA, but you know that's requiring us to do things truly as an enterprise, as an entire department. And we're seeing a lot of benefits, not just from a cost perspective, but from an efficiency perspective and the exchange of information and data. And data is really central to where we're going. The shit, the the creation and and sharing, the the analyzing of data, you know, which will allow us to do things like artificial intelligence and machine learning, those kinds of things. And, you know, right now we're doing it where it makes a lot of sense, you know, where we can get, where we can get the benefit that we want from it. But we are looking at areas where we can expand these new ways of doing things throughout USDA. Robotic process automation is not new at this time, but we have this huge appetite across USDA to to automate these manual processes now as well, which feeds into what I was talking about earlier. But it's exciting. It's great to see an organization change like this. It really is. And uh, and we could talk all day about how do you successfully implement new technologies? How do you successfully adopt them? But we don't have enough time to do that. So we're going to do a lightning round. I'm going to ask <laughs> you all like in 30 seconds each to give give us one tip about how do you successfully adopt new technologies? And so Gary, since you were just talking, we'll give you a shot. Like what's one piece of advice about how to go about implementing new technology? I just think you need to be um, transparent about everything. I mean, um, implementing these new technologies is not just about IT anymore. Well, it shouldn't have been that way in the first place, but you have to work closer and closer with your business partners because now they can do a lot on their own. It has to be a conversation. Todd, lightning round for you. 30 seconds. What What's a tip about successfully implementing a new technology? You got to bring it in and and touch it and play with it. And and I'll just say it. Labs, labs are not for hospitals and universities anymore. They're for everybody. You know, set up a little lab, get in there, let people touch it. It's amazing what you'll learn by just getting in and getting your hands dirty. And Malcolm, you get the last word in this segment. What's your, what's your lightning round answer about adopting new technology? 
you you have to be bold. You have to be bold. I think people oftentimes look at the risk of adopting a new technology, and that's the only risk they look at. Well, there is a risk of doing nothing. If you're worried about cybersecurity and you're standing still, you are at risk. Right? Yeah. So you you may as well progress, progress and change with the times, because if if not, the times will catch up with you. We got to be transparent. We got to actually get our hands around it, engage the customer and feel it. And we need to be bold. I think that's excellent advice to end for this segment. So we're going to take a short break. And when we return, we'll continue our conversations with Gary Washington, Todd Hager, and Malcolm Harden. I'm Dave Wintergren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACTIAC on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Accelerating Government with ACT-IAC. I'm Dave Wintergren, and we're discussing innovation, new technologies, how they're working in the federal technology market, what we should do next. And our guests today are Gary Washington, CIO for the Department of Agriculture and President of the American Council for Technology, Todd Hager, Vice President in Macro Solutions and the Industry Chair for the ACT-IAC Emerging Technology Community of Interest, and Malcolm Harden, Federal Partnerships Leader at Microsoft and Executive Vice Chairman of the Industry Advisory Council. When we left for break, we were talking about how to adopt new technologies. I, I think at the end of the day, we all in our jobs spend a lot of our time focusing on this issue of change. And if you didn't have to change and if people weren't involved, it'd probably be a whole lot easier to do some of these things that we're talking about. But, but the inevitability is people have to be willing to change. And so why don't we talk about that? So for both innovation and emerging technology implementation, embracing change is just absolutely crucial. What's some advice you'd like to offer the audience about how to, how to address change? Because as, as you all said earlier in the show, it's not getting any slower. The pace of technology change is just ever increasing for us. So Malcolm, why don't we start with you? Sure. You know, it, it, it's interesting working for uh, an organization this large and the government's bigger, you know, a number of agencies are bigger, but generally speaking, we're one of the, the biggest companies anybody would ever work at. And, and I think in a lot of roles here, people say, hey, if you don't like change, you're working in the wrong place. But I, I have already come in contact with a number of departments where change is not common. Right. They, they have a, a commercial way they've done business for the past 40 years. And, and if you say, hey, that that's not the expected customer experience anymore or acquisition uh, experience anymore, you know, you get sort of sneered at. And fundamentally, as as we push through change, there are there are people who just will not. Right. And, and they can be smart and strong and, and have earned a place in a, a stable position in the organization and, and have this the current role not be the right thing. And, and you have to give them the birth to go where they're comfortable, but it doesn't mean that they get to hijack the progress that you want to make. Right? So you, you've really got to, to respect that person and give them a place they can still do a good job, but seek out and reward and incentivize real change and force it to happen. You, you can't be left by the side of the road while the rest of the world evolves. The difference between building a coalition and trying to get consensus is something that often derails a change project, right? You can never get everybody to agree and you, and you don't really have to, you have to, but you do have to build that coalition. I, I also like the idea about like celebrating successes. I've seen so many intrepid program managers that launch the change initiative and then mm -hmm. wonder why, even though it had initial enthusiasm, you know, it stops to, starts to lose momentum a year or two later because we don't take the time to celebrate the success and help help everybody feel a little bit more confident that we're making progress. Because no matter how good you are, there's going to be some perturbation. Everything's not going to be smooth, so you have to celebrate those successes. Todd, why don't we go to you next? Change, how do we do it? You know, David, change is hard. I'll admit it. It's hard for everybody. Some people just embrace it a little more readily than other, others. But 
What I find is helpful, certainly for me, and I've seen it with other folks that we've worked with, is if you're faced with a change like that, it's nice sometimes to go find a community of folks who are doing similar kinds of things and just hear and listen what they're what they went through. There are some lessons learned that can help you kind of think about things a little bit differently uh, that they're oftentimes willing to share in those those uh, communities that you can take away that you wouldn't have otherwise had. And I find I see the lights turn on with our, our, our working groups within the emerging tech community when people come in and realize, oh, I didn't realize that's you know we could do that and and that may be a nice way to help get my team a little bit more comfortable with it because we're all learning you know and i think that that is the thing that helps us overcome the barrier active listening right mm -hmm. the, the ability to like find find others that number one you're not alone but then also yeah. to be willing to listen you know oftentimes change problems reach a loggerheads because you know we think we've got the right answer and we're not willing to hear that somebody else may have a different view and if you don't if you don't do that communication i, I love that idea about working in groups making sure that we've got you know everybody engaged gary how about you man you've been as they say toiling in this vineyard for a number of years you like malcolm obviously started this job at a very young age but uh but you know talk to us a little bit about change change is hard in large organizations and some advice you'd like to offer about change you know, I, I just think you need to build a business case for change. And, um, you know, a lot of this is going to be trying to show people the art of the possible. Um, you know, a lot of people in the government, you know, you, you'll run into a lot of people who don't believe that it's possible to to change something. And you have to spend a lot of time, um, you know, communicating, um, showing them what is possible and being very inclusive and bringing them along for the ride a lot of a lot of times. Um, when we went through our Center of Excellence activities a couple of years ago, we had a lot of conversations about what we couldn't do, but I'm more interested in what we can do, you know, having those kind of conversations and being, because you can't change everything at the same time. So you have to be very strategic about what you change and when you change it also. Yeah, the uh, the business case is an important thing. And I think that oftentimes, particularly for government agencies, and, and I can say this having spent 30 years of working in government too, that you know, that no matter how good you are at finances in government, you tend to only work on one side of the ledger, right, about how to effectively spend the budget you get. But if people are, want to make an investment in something new, they want to know it's going to get a return. And I think you're right that, that that's a skill that we just all have to really sort of hone. The ability to do good business cases and the ability to be able to describe a return on investment. I used to tell the story that there was a defense agency that wanted us to approve a new business system and, and their return on investment was going to be 30 years. And, and of course, you know, everybody looked at them like, well, why would you ever invest in technology? It takes 30 years to pay back. But, but it was more a function of they didn't know how to really do business cases well. Not that it was really because they hadn't really thought about the savings they could achieve and the, and the things like that. And so th those are all great pieces of advice for the audience. I appreciate you all sharing them with us today. It is an interesting time. Embracing these new technologies is a challenging thing to do. I just want to maybe like shift now a little bit to talk about leadership because change is really about the ability to lead others. And, you know, our audience is sort of all over the place, but, but, you know, I think that your advice, you're all senior leaders who have accomplished so much in your, in your careers. And so I, I wonder if maybe we could, in the little bit of time we have left, talk a little bit about leadership advice. We, we spoke specifically about the challenges of change, but I'll say like if we more broadly look at, you know, leadership, leadership in technology jobs, I'd love to hear your insights about, about leadership. And so why don't we start with Malcolm again, since he volunteered to go first on the last round, and we'll work <laughs> our way around to Todd and Gary and give you each a chance to talk for a minute or so about leadership. 
Sure. You know, o- over the course of my career, one of the things I've learned to do better is, is ask for help. And help is available to you as a leader. You are, you are not leading in a vacuum, and there are many, many, many people who want to see you succeed. So do not be afraid to ask for help, whether that be advisors, mentors, role models, champions, coaches, what, you know, what peers, friends, what, what, whatever guidance you can seek, you know, bring, bring a little humility to it. Hey, you know, I respect your opinion. I, I just wanted to understand, you know, what, what, how you think I couldn't be doing better? How, how can I be more effective? And I think you'll find that people are, are very, very open to having that conversation. So a little bit of courage there goes a long way. Yeah. Amen to that. Todd, how about you? Some leadership advice. I am absolutely in alignment with what Malcolm was saying. I, I think uh, leaders need to be humble, but they also need to be bold. Not bold in a reckless way, but just bold in a willingness to think outside the box a bit and trust your team to help you find your way because the answers are there. You have the team for a reason. You know, Use that to your advantage, but humble and bold. Gary, we're going to give you the last word on this segment. Talk to us about leadership. I agree with Malcolm and Todd about, especially about the humility part, but I will add that leadership is not a popularity contest. You know, everybody's not going to like you, not like your ideas and you, you're going to have to be okay with that. You're going to have to show a lot of courage because if you want to lead through change, you're going to have to be brave and bold and show a lot of courage too, but you're not by yourself. So you have to be very inclusive, you know, and include, you know, have have a good team around you and Include those who agree with you and those who do not agree with you, you know, make them a part of the process. I hope all of you listening today have enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. We've had three distinguished leaders who have just done so much for the federal technology community. And they used great words today about bold and caring and engaging. And and all those things are just things that just absolutely make a big difference when you go to embracing new technologies or trying to get innovation into the marketplace. Gary Washington is the Department of Agriculture CIO and the president of the American Council for Technology. Todd Hager is vice president of Macro Solutions and the industry chair of the ACT-IAC Emerging Technology Community of Interest. And Malcolm Harden is the Federal Partnerships Leader at Microsoft and the Executive Vice Chairman of the Industry Advisory Council. I'd like to thank you all so much for your leadership in the community and for joining us today. And as a reminder to everyone in the audience, there's a great opportunity to learn more about these topics that we covered today. The ACT-IAC Emerging Technology and Innovation Conference will take place at the Hyatt in Cambridge, Maryland on May 22nd to May 24th. And at that conference, you'll hear from a number of senior government leaders. You'll meet the recipients of the 2022 ACTIAC Innovation Awards. You have a number of great opportunities to engage with your peers in industry and government. You can find a link to register for the conference at both the Federal News Network website and at our website, www.actiac.org. We've covered a lot of ground today on two top topics, innovation and the adoption of new technologies, both important opportunities to accelerate government mission outcomes through collaboration, leadership, and education. I'm Dave Wenergren, and you've been listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACTIAC on Federal News Network. Thanks for listening to Accelerating Government with ACT-IAC. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your podcast feed. Search for Accelerating Government on Podcast One, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, electrical contractors. I'm Matt from ABB. Are rising costs and product delays keeping you up at night? We can help you contractor better. ABB's contractor resources are designed to help you increase productivity and profitability on your commercial construction projects. 
check out Contractor Better today. Visit go.abb slash contractor better.